So here's my question. Where'd they get the water? I mean, honestly, Elijah had stepped out from Tishbe, some nowhere place that he came from, stood in front of King Ahab, the same king he's standing in front of this day, and says, there will be neither dew nor rain until I say so, thus saith the Lord, and there's neither dew nor rain. So where'd they get the water? No rain is one thing. There are dry seasons, I get that. No dew? God not only shut up the heavens, God took all the water out of the air. That's the miracle. So where'd they get the water for the sacrifice? You can tell by Elijah's life that there wasn't any water anywhere. I mean, Elijah was sent immediately after that to the Wadi Cherith. Sounds idyllic, isn't it? The Wadi Cherith. The ravens came and fed him. He drank from the, from the wadi. Ah. It was an oasis. Until you think about it. You know what a wadi is? It's a washout. The only time water flows through a wadi is when it rains. Oh yeah, that's right. He had just told the king it would not rain. So by the time he gets to the Wadi Cherith, this is no river, this is no pool, this is water that's just left over. Doesn't that sound appealing? And then he gets fed by ravens. Ah yes, the scavengers of the air. I have the feeling his diet was something akin to soggy matzah and, um, and worms. I, I'm not sure this was the idyllic setting that we think it was. It was a time of struggle and suffering in Israel. There was no water. There was no rain. There was no dew. So where'd they get the water? As a matter of fact, Elijah is sent from the wadi to the widow of Zarephath, right? That's outside Israel. The drought has even hit people outside of Israel, and she's ready to, to procure one last meal for her and her son so they could eat and then starve to death and die. Elijah has the temerity to say, well, bake me a cake first. I love the humility of that. <laughs> because all she has is flour and oil. She doesn't have any water to use to boil, to make it moist. It's just the oil. Because God isn't going to take back his promise that there's no dew and there's no rain. And even after she uses it all up and bakes a cake for him and a cake for her and her son, and she expects to die, the miracle is that the oil and the flour continue to get filled up overnight, miraculously, mysteriously, but still no water, because there was no water. So where'd they get the water? You have this contest on Mount Carmel. The contest, interestingly enough, is not about water, is it? 
It's about fire. God doesn't have to break his word to have some contest about who's got the water because the contest is about fire. God doesn't need to break his word in order to fulfill his promise. And so they don't have any water, so they decide that it'll be fire. Ah, that's a good decision, a good challenge. Elijah proposes it and says, how about if we put out an offering and whichever God consumes it by fire, they will be God. And all the Baal worshipers go right up our alley. Because we serve a God of fertility. We serve a God of the field. We serve a God of weather. We serve the God of fire. That's Baal. And all the Jews, still trying to be faithful to God, if there were any, are just kind of... Apparently their institutional memory is pretty well lacking. Don't they remember that the Israelites were led by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of, what was that again? Fire at night. I seem to remember that. I seem to remember that worship in the temple had a lot to do with fire. When you brought an offering, the offering was to be given to God and consumed by fire. As a matter of fact, in the temple, you remember young Samuel had the job of sleeping by the altar to make sure that the lamp didn't go out, that the fire continually burned in the temple. The prophets of the prophets of Baal are thinking, we've got this because this is right down our alley. And so they begin to plead for lightning. They begin to plead for some kind of storm to consume the offering at the altar because Baal is the god of weather. Baal is the god of fire. Baal is the god of storms. And by the way, just in case you didn't know it, Baal is the god of water. Wouldn't you think the prophets of Baal would have figured out by now that if they haven't been able to get the god Baal, the god of water, to bring rain or dew in three and a half years, that they're probably not going to be highly successful at bringing fire in about three and a half hours? But nevertheless, undaunted, they think that they can produce fire from the sky. So Elijah mocks them. He mocks their actions. He mocks their God. When I put the reading together for the group to do, what a marvelous job you did. It has my favorite verse out of the Living Bible. You already have figured out which it is. <laughs> and for those of you that don't think sarcasm is not a spiritual gift, I leave you with Elijah mocking Baal. Amazingly, it is Elijah, the prophet, the man of God who has stopped the rain, who introduces water into the firefight. He tells them, go get four jars of water. Four jars. Doesn't tell them where to get the water. But when they go and find the water and bring it back and pour it, he has the audacity to say, 
not enough. And so they've got to go back and get four more jars of water and pour it. And then he smiles and says, nah, still not enough. And so, four more jars. How much does a cup of water cost at this point? If you haven't had any rain or dew in three and a half years, how much does it cost to get a bucket of water? By now, it's worth a king's ransom. And, and, and how much water is in this jar? Is it a ladle? What is it? It's a, it's a cod, a kadus. I, I think if in Hebrew it must be chad, chadus. I was taught that the only way to pronounce Hebrew was to spit in the middle of words. Maybe poor scholarship on my part, but it makes me sound really intelligent. It was a chad. <laughs> and this chad, this chadus, is a bucket or a pail. You'd find women would carry water from the well by having two buckets on either end of a pole put on their shoulders to go back. That's probably why he asks for four water jars or buckets or pails, because that's what they're used to drawing from. And how much water does it take to fill up the trench? It tells you something about three C's. I have no idea how much that is. I looked it up. I still have no idea how much it is. I would say scientifically, I think the best way to say it is that it was a lot of water. And just how much fills up the trench? Because by the end, it filled up the trench. How much water do you have to pour on dry ground that has been dry for three and a half years, hasn't had a drop of water or dew that has touched it? How much water do you have to pour in a trench to fill up the trench? You pour the water in, it soaks into the ground. You pour the next batch in, it soaks into the ground. I have a feeling these four water jars may not just have been buckets, but big water jars. It took a lot of water to get that dry ground to the point that there would be water in the trench. Twelve buckets, twelve large jars, a king's ransom, more money than a typical Israelite would make in a year. So where'd they get the water? I think there are only two places they can get water. There are only two places in the capital city where water would really be available, particularly in the amounts that they have to use to pour over the thing. The first place I'm sure there's water is the king's palace. Good to be the king. <laughs> but I have the feeling that no servant worth his or her salt is going to take orders from Elijah, the troubler of Israel, and go to the king's palace where Ahab and Jezebel reside and try and get past the guards there to get to the water 
that's being guarded, I'm sure, in the same way that the National Treasury is being guarded. So I don't think they would dare go to Ahab and Jezebel's palace to get the water. So if they didn't get the water from there, where else do you get water in the capital city of Samaria? Where's the only other place where there's water? Well, you go to the temple of Baal. Because Baal's the god of water. Plus, not only is there water in the temple, because that's one of the symbols of who Baal is, you can get as much water as you want and get it out without being accosted by anybody. You know why? Because the 450 prophets are up on the mountain. <laughs> There's nobody there. Servants go down, stick their head in, and go, hello, anybody here? It's safe, boys, let's get the water. Three times they go and fill it up. Who's going to stop them? Nobody. Get this. God stops Baal's power to create water to create rain, to create dew. Look, I, I know there's no such thing as Baal. I get this. But in the minds of the Israelites on Mount Carmel, when they come pouring that water out, they can't help but think that Yahweh, the God of Israel, has stopped Baal's power from creating rain or water or dew. And he uses the very materials that Baal says are symbolic of me and my power, fire and water, to take up the offering. He wants the Israelites to know there is no God named Baal. There is but one God. Baal doesn't create fire and Baal doesn't make water. I am the God of fire and I am the God of water. Reminds me of the story about the scientists who figured out how to create human beings, how to create man from dust. And they had it all scientifically done. And they challenged God. They say, God, we know that you did this great miracle of creating the first people out of the dust of the ground. We believe we could replicate that and we challenge you. And so God said, I accept the challenge. And so they met field to recreate the miracle of creation. God said, all right, let us begin. The scientists, eager to show off their brilliance, reached down, picked up two handfuls of dirt, and were ready to begin the process. And God looked at him and said, wait a minute, guys, get your own dirt. Baal creates nothing. He has no power over fire or water or anything else because there is no thing such as Baal. And that's why in the text, the writer of Kings makes sure that you know that when the fire fell from heaven, it took up not only the bull, not only the altar, 
but it lapped up the water in the trench because of the fire and the offering and the altar. And yes, folks, the water all belonged to God. When are we going to learn? When are we going to learn that the popular gods of culture, fashioned out of our own desires and wants, these popular gods that we often go running to for trying to figure out how to grow a church or how to make an impact? Why do we keep running to the bales of sensuality and sexuality in our culture? that cannot produce either fire or water, let alone transform lives or save us from sin. Why do we go whoring after other gods? There is but one God. His name is not Baal. It's not Asherah. It is Yahweh. It is the God of all creation. When will the church cry out and proclaim that the God of culture, the gods of expedience, can only produce what our own hands can create, but have no power to rain glory down from the heavens. Get your own dirt, cries out God. These gods of culture cannot rain down power or fire from heaven and consume our failures and lap up our fallen natures. There is but one God. When we proclaim that there is but one God, when we proclaim that there is but one God and that he is a God of fire, when we proclaim that there is but one God and that he is a God who shuts up the sky when he chooses to and opens it up and pours out from the windows of heaven a blessing upon us, when we come to proclaim that there is a single God who parts the water of the seas and lets the Israelites go through, when we begin to proclaim that there is but a single God and this God can transform water into wine, when we realize there is but one God and this God can walk across the water and stand on the sea, when we realize there is but one God who can calm the seas, when we realize that we serve a God of water, and that that is a powerful God. And when we proclaim him and him alone, then we will be at the beginning of understanding what it means to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where did they get the water? It's easy. They got the water from the same place where they got the fire. It may have come from the temple of Baal, but the water came from the hand of God.